is good to be back with you. It's been, it's been a minute, hasn't it? Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, to be exact. We're in this mini-series. Anybody remember the title of the mini-series? I don't have one to give you. But, yeah, so, so Unplugged, and we've been looking at uh, particularly two subjects, rest and retreat. Uh, so rest, and I preached on rest in West Chicago, and I was talking about Elijah when he needed rest because he had just, one thing that God does in his life is tells him to eat and rest, eat and rest, eat and sleep. So I think we all get to the point in our life where we need rest. Now, also we see this, this concept of rest where God works for six days and then he Rest. He, he takes off. He enjoys the fruits of labor. So there's this concept of just resting in the sovereignty and goodness of God and even physical rest because our bodies, they wear out. But then uh, Pastor Sergio talked about this idea of retreat, silence and solitude, getting away, withdrawing. Now, today our series... Uh, by tackling the word return. Everybody say return. Uh, even online, if you're with us, go ahead and just type return into the chat. And so the question that I want to pose this morning right out of the gate is, what are we to return to? So, so you've rested, yay! You've retreated, you got away, you, you practiced some silence and solitude. Maybe it was just a 30-minute walk of just silence and solitude, but then you're going to come back, you're going to return. But my question is, what are you to return to? Now, I'm sure for the Christmas break, we have, many of us had Saturday and Sunday, and then they return. And what do they return to? They return to work. They return to family. They return to school responsibilities. They return to games and recreation. They turn to, return to small groups. They return to working out and eating right because vacation, you, you kind of let things slip. Can I get an amen? I do. I, and I'm guilty of this too, right? Let, let's say, you know, for Christmas break, you know, my family was off, and then Oh, we started thinking about January 3rd and January 4th when we had to return back to work, and we're like, oh, I'm just not ready to go back to work. Anybody ever said that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, i gotta hit, I got to hit the old grind again. I mean, and, and so it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, I've got to return. And so I, I do think it's very interesting that we many times have a difficulty in returning, returning to school, returning to work, returning to life. Now, now, let me ask you this question. Here, here's my second question I want to ask you. Do you feel effective and efficient at living life? Not only do I want us to ask, what are we returning to after rest and after retreat? But I want us to ask this question, do, do I feel effective and efficient at living life? Or do you just feel like you're, you're surviving life? Like you're really not thriving at life. You're just kind of surviving life. Maybe some of you, maybe online, I mean, he's just spinning his little legs all the time. I mean, he's burning all this calories, but he's not going anywhere. Maybe, maybe, maybe you feel like that. Like you, you are so busy in life, so when you do return, you're so busy, you got so much on your plate, you're doing so much, that, but, but you don't feel like you're going anywhere. Or, or maybe when my youngest son, Luke, he asked me to play NBA 2K. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I haven't played video games in a long time, buddy, but sure. 
And so he gives me the controller. He doesn't tell me what to do. He puts on the game NBA 2K, and he starts beating me really bad and laughing at me. Dude, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I don't know what to do, buddy. You handed me the remote to do. And so here I am. I'm just, I'm just hitting all these buttons, hoping something happens. And I, I think that's the way we live our life many a time. We just hit a lot of buttons, hoping something will happen, hoping something good will happen, hoping something successful will happen to us. But we're hitting all these buttons, but we don't know what we're doing. And Kenneth has called us to return to a life of flourishing and functionality, not one of just mere survival. And I think it might be just the reason why we find it hard to return is because we're struggling in some way. We're finding life hard and difficult to returning to because we don't even know what purpose we're trying to fulfill. And so therefore, we have a difficult time returning. And so this morning, here's the main point that we're going to flesh out. And it's this. Returning to effective living is returning to the essence of being human. Like returning to effective living. Seek, I mean, it's not this huge secret. It, it really is the essence of being human. And so for some of you today, this will, this will be a message that, that you need to get back on track. Uh, for some of you today, this is just going to be a reminder that you are on the right track, and congratulations. And then realize that you are completely on the wrong track, and you need to hop off that track, and you need to get on this track. And so in Genesis 1, uh, we'll be looking specifically in verses 26 and 28, but just to kind of lay the groundwork, uh, God has gone to work. And it's interesting to work. Work is a very good thing, which we'll see here in just a second. But God goes to work, and then on day one, God spoke light and darkness into existence. And then on day two, uh, God spoke the expanses of water and sky into existence. On day three, God spoke bodies of water that I find extremely interesting. In day one, two, and three, God is creating the structures in which he is going to put life in them. Because, look, look, on day four, God spoke the lights in the expanses of the sky the sun, the moon, and the stars to light the earth during the day. Because on day light and darkness into existence, on day four, he's getting a little bit more specific, and he's creating sun, moon, and stars to fill what he had created. On day five, God spoke the animals and creatures into existence to fill the waters and the sky. So once again, he's created the structures, he's created the environment, he's created the atmosphere so that, so that he can put vegetation, so that he he could put creatures and animals. And then on day six, God spoke animals into existence. The animals of livestock and creatures and wildlife to roam the dry land. And so, so we see day one through six what God's doing, but he's not done on day six. What, what, what does he have left? He has humanity. And, and, and it's in it's in the creation of humanity that we actually see the essence of what it means to be human. So verse 26 and 28, will you stand with me as we honor the reading, as we, as we unpack the essence of being human together, all right? On the count of three, let's read it together. One, two, three. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, 
over the livestock and uh, all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. A follow creation into existence. Your word would go to work today speaking life into us, into new creation. I pray for those who are far from you today uh, that as the word is preached that they would actually come alive and that you would awaken them to being your new creation. Oh, we surrender to you, your lordship, your word. I pray that we would leave with your word this morning as a result of your spirit's work in our life. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. Now, these verses, verses 26 through 28, provide the essence of what it means to be human. Morning, number one, we need to return to who we human beings are. So again, we're, we're, we're in this Unplugged series talking about rest, retreat, but now we're going to talk about return. And so if we're going to return, we need to know what we are returning to, and we're returning to who we human beings. There's this deliberation that happens between the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, now we, we, we don't see another deliberation happen in Genesis 1 other than the one right before he creates human Beings like so he, he's monkeys. No, not doing that. But but monkeys are created, but but they're not created in God's image or likeness. Think about it. Cute monkeys don't have the image and likeness of God. Weird looking ostriches don't have the image and likeness of God. Majestic bald eagles do not have the image and likeness of God. Graceful do not have the image and likeness of God. All they have is God's glory and his creativity embedded into their existence. But when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together and they said, hey, let us make something, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. We are completely different than the ant. We're completely different. Why? Because we have the image and likeness of God stamped into our DNA. But, but what does that mean? I mean, that's a good question, right? So if we're, if we're different than ostriches and if we're different than dogs and cats and we're, if we're different than blue whales and dolphins, like what does that actually mean to have life? Well, I think there's a couple of things at play here. Number one, at the time that Moses, this is what scholars would say, you know, who authored Genesis, Moses. At the time that Moses penned these words, here's what was happening. Uh, kings would erect images of themselves, and they would put them in and reign extended to those boundaries. So the very first thing that's happening in the image being stamped on humanity is that God is fashioning humanity to reflect his glory, to reflect his kingdom, saying, hey, this is part of my domain. So, so he, he has not done that with the animal kingdom. The animal kingdom are not... No, no, He has created human beings to reflect his rule, his reign on planet Earth. To show that his reign has extended from heaven to now planet Earth. But, but, but what specifically 
are we imaging or reflecting in, in reflecting God's glory? Well, we're reflecting his, his majesty and, like I said, his kingship, his rule. So when you look at human beings, you should see the beauty and the majesty and the splendor and the kingship, the rule and reign of God. Now, that, that's what it means to be created in God's likeness. Yeah, so what, what does that mean? Well, that means that we're spiritual beings. We're eternal beings, moral beings. We are emotional and rational beings. We're intellectual and creative beings. We're relational and communal beings. We have capacity for fellowship and with great purpose, great value, and great worth. Our very existence carries with it this great significance. This is why Christians, we believe in the dignity of life. Because we have the image and likeness of God stamped on us. This is why we believe as Christians that human life is valuable than a dog, a cat, a whale, or any endangered animals. And it's not to say that animals aren't important. No, we are to care for creation. But when it comes to significant worth and value, a human life is way more valuable than any animal that roams planet Earth. This is who we are. But here's what we know. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, because of their disobedience and rejection of God, they, as well as the entire human race, experienced an identity. The crisis acts as some sort of cosmic amnesia where human beings have forgotten who they are. Are. As a result of this identity crisis, human beings, they don't know who they are. Uh, they, they don't know whose they are. Uh, they don't know what their purpose is. They don't know what their morals are supposed to be. They've forgotten how valuable uh, they are. Uh, they don't know the joy that they were created to experience. And so they walk around depressed, discouraged, and even demoralized. But here's the great news about the Bible is even though Adam and Eve sinned and they kind of led, led, led humanity down, uh, God did not forget who they are, and so God had promised redemption. And so if you fast forward all the way to the New Testament, you actually see uh, that the very image of God, the icon of God, Jesus Christ, was sent. Now, listen to some of these verses in the New Testament. Uh, listen to Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the what? Image of his son, that they might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into who? image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit listen to Colossians 3 verse 8 but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as anger rage malice slander and filthy language from your lips do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in in knowledge in the what image of its to redeem it to redeem the image and likeness of man so that we might remember 
who we are and whose we are. And there might be some people here this morning, there might be some people listening online, maybe sometime later on this week, you really need to realize this, that God has sent Jesus to redeem who you are, to redeem your identity, to redeem your image, to redeem your likeness, so that you might remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made that you are of great value and worth, that you have your life, that God loves you and he is for your good. You are not a mistake. You are not a menace. You are not too far gone. You are not a disease on society. You are not your illness. You are not your addiction. Your life is not over because God give you a hope and a future. Why? Because you have been created in the very image and likeness of God. You might just need to remember that. You might need to put a pin in that and look that over. So every, every morning, and I, and I wish I had a mirror, and I asked, my, I asked my teenage daughter, hey, Ellie, hey, do you have a mirror that your dad can borrow? She's like, I don't have a mirror, that big mirror here. But I want, you to, I want you to remember, every time you look in a mirror, every time you're brushing your teeth, every time you're doing your hair, every time you look in the rearview mirror, every time that you want to take a selfie, I want you to remember. I want you to remember that you are a mirror. You are a mirror reflecting the image of God. You have your life. So you need to return to who you are. So, so after rest, after retreat, you are returning to being human after the image and likeness of God. That's who you are. That's your purpose. Now, to who you are, you need to return to what? We, human beings, do. So, so who you are, your identity drives what you do. Now, here's what happens in our culture, okay? Here's what happens. Because, again, we have an identity crisis, and we have this cosmic amnesia. Who drives who we are, and we're never satisfied, and we're never fulfilled. But if you can start with who you are, and let who you are and whose you are drive you to what you do, you will have fulfillment and satisfaction. And so, so who we are now is going to drive us to what we do. So, so Josh, what, what are we? 28. There's three things that we are to do, and I love them. Relate. Create, operate. Everybody say it. Relate, create, and operate. It's the three things human beings do. Relate, create, and operate. So relate. What, what, what is relate? Well, here, here we have uh, God telling mankind, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This speaks of how we are to relate to one another. And the idea of being fruitful speaks of the idea of being relationally healthy. So I want you to realize that part of what we do to one another in community. You were, I was, we were created for relationships. We were created for connection. We were created for intimacy. We were created for a relationship. Now, that relationship starts with God, but then it starts to spread horizontally with one another. Now, this, when it comes to Genesis 1, 26 through 28, the foundation of our relationship, like I said, not only is it with God, but it actually begins in a marriage relationship, Adam 
and Eve. So if you want to say, if you want to say what's the most important relationship that you can have outside of God, it is actually mom and dad because that's where God is going to go to work shaping the kind of people he wants the community and the nation to be right there in the family. And here's one of the things that I know about uh, having been married now for over 18 years is that if, if my wife ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And here's the other thing that I would say is us in the family. And so what God is wanting us to do is to have healthy relationships that are fruitful, that, that are not barren, uh, but are fruitful. And so humans are to be fruitful in their relationships. And here's what we know. If it's not fruitful, it doesn't grow. Growing should be blossoming, should be flourishing. And so as, as we flourish, as we are fruitful, Here's what's going to happen. You're going to multiply. There's a lot that is suggested in the word multiply, uh, but it speaks of procreating and healthy things procreate. And then multiply also speaks in, in community. So not only are we to engage in our spousal relationship, our familial relationships, but we are to engage in communal relationship. And so humans are to multiply and fill the earth, which speaks. And now, here's what, here's what some all have done this. If they would have been fruitful and multiplied and filled the earth without sin, then what God had envisioned was this people that he created to fill the earth that would image him, that would reflect him and his glory throughout all of the created order. That, that's what God's intention is. 